Tonight we're going to talk about seeking counsel. The Bible speaks of this very clearly here in Proverbs 15, verse 22, where the Bible says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. At least four times in Proverbs, we find the emphasis on the importance of seeking counsel, getting good advice as we have to make decisions, as we try to determine uh, God's direction. And it's not just uh, limited to a spiritual realm, but it is talking about getting good counsel. Just keep your finger here. We'll look at these four verses. Look back at Proverbs 11. Verse number 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So in our text or our jumping off point, it says without counsel purposes are disappointed. In chapter 11 and verse 14, where no counsel is, the people fall. Then turn to Proverbs chapter 20. Verse number 18. Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice, make war. So when God has laid on your heart a plan, a purpose, a step, a direction. It says that they are established by counsel. Then look one more, Proverbs 24. And verse number six. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. So here are four different Proverbs the Spirit of God gave to Solomon to record for us, all emphasizing basically the same thing. Counsel is needed. Counsel, wise, good counsel is an advantage. It helps. It benefits. It uh, makes your, your life a, a, able to be successful. The absence of seeking or heeding good counsel uh, creates potential catastrophe. So we're, this is a very simple approach to the topic. Number one, we're going to break down the words. What, it, what do the words actually mean here in our text? Then we're going to see what it does not teach because there's a lot of wrong teaching about seeking counsel, and then some basic principles that I think will practically help. So what is it talking about here when the Bible says that without counsel, purposes are disappointed? The word counsel talks about consultation. It's talking about advice. It has an implication at its heart of confidentiality. So it's picturing going to someone who for whatever reason you would choose to be a counselor, either they're further down the road in their family or they've accomplished something in that realm of business you're interested in, somebody you can trust 
and you can seek their advice. Proverbs 25, 9 says, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not thy secret to another. So without counsel, without consultation, without good advice, purposes are disappointed. The word purposes talks about plans, intentions. Uh, The word for plans could be used both good or bad, uh, but some desire, some dream, some impression God has uh, placed on your heart, you, you go and seek counsel to help you to see a little more clearly. It says without counsel, purposes are disappointed. It's not like, oh, well. The idea is to be broken up or to be dissolved or to be defeated. Frustrated would be the softest answer. So without good advice, the dreams, the intentions, the plans that God has placed on your heart are broken up. They're destroyed. But in the multitude of counselors, it's interesting in these four parallel verses, three of them talk about not singular counsel. In the multitude of counselors, the word simply means abundance, a large number. In any description, it talks about multiples. In the abundance or multitude of counselors, uh, they are established. The, The idea of the word means to be made clear or to be confirmed or to be strengthened or to be brought to success. You know, throughout my lifetime, there have been many, many times I've sought counsel. I did not go with that person, to that person, expecting them to tell me God's will or expecting them to give me the steps to take. I wanted wanted their perspective, their experience, them to shed a little light on a situation I was trying to work my way through or a decision I needed to make. And as I found good counselors in the abundance of that counsel, the Holy Spirit was able to use the word of God and the counsel of man to give me direction. That's what the Bible saying. So what is it not teaching? Let's start with the negative. Because throughout my lifetime, I've been in certain ministries where the implied teaching was, you go to this grand poobah who will tell you God's will for your life, and then you do what they say, and all's good. I was in a church like that. Tell you the truth, after Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you walked by the pastor's office, there would be a lineup of 20, 30, 40 people. And one by one, they'd go in the door. They wouldn't even sit down because I went and did it one time. Step in. How are you? What's, what's your question? You ask your question. He'd give you the answer. Next, it's like you went to the meat counter, you know. It's faster than Starbucks, I can tell you that. Uh, anyway... And the impression was you couldn't know God's will for yourself. That's not what this is teaching. It's not teaching that the advice or counsel of any human is infallible. Even yourself. You know, a lot of people 
Never try to seek counsel because, well, I'll just work through this myself. That's a dangerous position to take also because you don't know everything, but that counselor doesn't know everything. Nobody knows everything. Nobody's infallible. We're all sinners saved by grace. And so you seek counsel, but that doesn't mean you throw away your brain. It doesn't mean that you're not to be seeking after God. And it certainly doesn't mean that they are able, they have an inside track with God to tell you what you ought to do. Now, while I was a, a little bit harsh, because that's my view of that philosophy, there is nothing wrong with going to a spiritual leader, i.e. your pastor, a deacon, someone you have confidence in, somebody you've watched your spiritual life, and to seek their counsel and allow that to nudge you along the path of knowing God's will, but you always have to keep in mind, this individual, this man, this woman, this pastor is just like me, a sinner saved by grace, and they might be wrong, but their track record is that they know how to pray, they've seen God direct their lives, and I, they can help me, okay? So it is not teaching that the counsel of man is ever infallible. It's not teaching, secondly, that any counsel sought or received should ever supersede God's leading in your life. For example, let's just make a hypothetical here. You've prayed about a decision. You've sought the word of, in the word of God, God's direction. God's given you some principles. By the way, the Bible's not gonna give you specifics like move to Alberta, but it will give you principles upon which you can make decisions. So as you prayed, you spent time in the word, God gave you a verse that confirmed his leadership, but just in case you go to a counselor and the counselor says, no, 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 no that, that's, that's, not, that's not what the deal is here. And they, they tell you, a human counselor is never to supersede what God has established in your heart. For many years, actually before we ever came up here, I would come up occasionally every third year and teach a class on Baptist distinctives and a Baptist polity. And I adopted an outline for Baptist distinctives, an acrostic based on the word Baptist, B-A-P-T-I, how to make the college students who take that class stand up and say it with me, but I won't do that. But the I stands for individual soul, liberty, and responsibility. Did you remember that, Kyron? He's smart. He had a great teacher. Oh no. What does individual soul responsibility and individual soul liberty and responsibility mean? We do not believe that men can tell us God's will for our lives. We have soul liberty. That means we are to determine God's will for ourselves by means of counsel, by means of prayer, by means of the word of God, but we are also responsible for that decision. 
We have liberty, but we have responsibility. So we have the freedom to make our choices, but we are responsible for those choices. I have a very close friend. We were roommates for three years. He was in our wedding. Great guy, still serving the Lord. And uh, I remember one day, Jan and I were passing the city where he was uh, pastoring, taking Dan down to Pensacola, Florida. We had lunch with he and his wife. And we were just talking about college days. And he said, you know, I, I really believe I was out of the will of God for five years. I said, why would you say that? He said, I knew in my heart that God wanted me after college to go into the ministry. But when I sought counsel, they said, no, 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 that wasn't God's will. You're to stay here and work here. And he, he did. Now, he wasn't bitter. He, you know, God used it in his life. He went on, he learned a lesson. But the point is, we have to take responsibility for our decisions. We seek counsel, we pray, we get in the word of God, but whatever we decide, we have to be able to stand before God and say, this is your will, you have led me to this. The counsel worked to bring me to that point. And the third thing, this does not, and this, I'm just taking the next step. We have individual soul liberty and responsibility, but the decision or the counsel does not abrogate our responsibility or relieve us of our personal responsibility. Through these years of pastoring, I, I've spent time counseling many people. It's not because I'm smarter than anybody. It's not because I've never made mistakes. It's because I've had some experiences and people, have, if nothing else, they want me to pray with them in a decision. I do that many times. I'm doing that with some people right now. They've come in, they're facing a big decision. And I told them, I really don't know the answer to your question, but I do know how to pray. And so I'll pray with you. And I am. But I have had through those years, people come in and they just really want me to say, tell me what to do. <laughs> in other words, I want you to take responsibility. If this thing goes in the dumpster. I want it on you, not on me. I said, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. I can tell you what I think I would do, but I'm not sitting in the hot seat. So you have to pray. You have to seek the mind of God. You have to know that the spirit of God has given you this direction because I'm not there. Now, some people are just poor deciders. Some are fearful of making a wrong decision. But the truth is, this is not teaching that we can ever pass the responsibility to somebody else to just tell us what to do and we do it, unless that somebody else is the Lord himself. So what are these verses teaching? A few, a few things here. Number one, they are teaching us that there are some decisions that have far-reaching effects and must be taken very seriously to where we would seek counsel. I mean, that's uh, the verse uh, we read, Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. Look, if I was in, the, in a position where I was 
taking a nation into battle, I would be seeking a whole lot of counsel. I just finished a book last night, my bedtime reading. It's always very soothing and relaxing. Leadership in War. Nine world leaders and how they led nations in times of war. Uh, and, you know, it's a fascinating read and learning leadership qualities. But you wouldn't make that decision lightly. If you did, you'd be foolish. But there are, you're not in that position, neither am I. So what about decisions that impact your family? What about decisions that impact your children? What about decisions that impact your future? What about decisions about full-time ministry? There are certain serious decisions that have far-reaching effects and to not seek a multitude of counsel at that crucial time is not wise. None of us are the sum total of knowledge about every topic. We need help. Secondly, it's teaching us that seeking good counsel is wise. And I would say, my opinion, to never seek counsel is a, a, an indication of pride. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. Derek Kidner, in his commentary on this verse of scripture, said very simply, get all the advice you can. I would paraphrase it and try and make sure it's all good advice. The believer's Bible commentary says on this verse, when men act singly on their own, without counsel of others, their plans often go awry. It is safer to get a broad range of information and advice. Men who have had experience can warn against dangers to be avoided, can suggest the best, method, best methods, etc. The Expositor's Bible Commentary says the success of our plans requires good advice, a general principle that is of value on a personal as well as on a national level. What, what is the Bible saying? There is wisdom in seeking counsel. There's wisdom in being humble enough to say, look, I've got a big decision here. Yes, I can make it, but I would like your perspective on it. I would like to, I would like to hear what you think about this and I would ask you to pray for me, which also indicates that the Bible is encouraging us to not be hasty in our decision-making. If you have to seek counsel, if you're going to go to people who will give you their time, by the way, the Bible teaches that good counsel is like drawing water out of a well, it takes time then you are not being impulsive. You are not being hasty. I told you, my friend, Brother Mike Edwards said, there are a few decisions I've made slowly that I've regretted. So it is teaching us that we have some decisions that come into life that are far-reaching, they're impactful, and we need to seek counsel. It's also teaching that we're wise when we do that, but it thirdly is teaching us we should not have a singular source of counsel. In the multitude of counselors, in the multitude of counsel, in the multitude, three times. We're able to make better decisions when we've listened to multiple wise counselors, especially the more crucial the decision. 
Bible illustration would be Rehoboam in 1 Kings chapter 12. He sought at least two realms of counsel, the old man, the young man, he chose the wrong one and the devastating effects of his decision. When I was early in ministry, I realized that there are a lot of things you face as a pastor that they never touch on in Bible college. And I realized in some of these situations, no matter what decision I made for our church as far as a policy or dealing with a situation, I was going to have some people mad at me. It was like, who do I want shooting at me? Choose your poison, you know? So I wasn't going to just haphazardly, flippantly, ah, well, if I don't get it right this time, maybe do better next time. So I had three older pastors, all of whom I knew, all of whom knew me. All of, uh, two of the three had preached for me and um, all had ministries I respected. And they became my counselors. So if I needed counsel, how to deal with this very sticky wicket of a decision, this very sticky wicket of a problem, I would call those three men. It was very interesting. I can't remember one time that all three of them were in total agreement. But I knew them and I knew their personalities from most conservative to most trendy to most, you know, and somehow I'd sort of draw the line. And if I landed in the middle there, I figured I was pretty good. And let me tell you something. I didn't shed too much blood doing that. It saved me. It made me... Sometimes they would say things that I was like, oh, whoa, I never thought about that. I, I never considered that. I never, I, I didn't see that one coming. And it helped me tremendously in making decisions. You know what? Not one of them said, well, all three of them were strong enough personalities, particularly two of them who would have gladly said, do it this way. <laughs> but none of them did. They just you know what, this is how I've handled that. This is how, this is why, this was my thought process. And it brought me and matured me in areas that I wasn't prepared for. Last night, I took a walk. I was listening to a podcast. There's a certain podcast because I like history. It's called Presidential and it's a biography of U.S. presidents. And so last night was Harry Truman. Now, I'm a conservative. I don't look at Truman super favorably, but I wouldn't have wanted to be in his shoes because he was the vice president, the safe vice president under FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Roosevelt was a big personality, the leader in World War II, and Roosevelt dropped dead. And now Truman's a president of the United States at the throes of World War II in the Battle of Europe and also the East. So Truman really was a better president than anybody expected him to be, in my opinion. But a writer, after World War II ended, interviewed Truman in his second term and said, Mr. Truman, would you, how did you make decisions in those very difficult times? 
He said, well, I would get my cabinet together and I would have them go and get me the very best advice and report back. Then I would take all that advice and I'd go to my private office and I'd read it. And then I'd make a decision. They said, well, what if you made a bad decision? He said, well, then I made another decision. But what he was saying there, and I found this interesting as I thought about it, he was admitting his own lack of ability to make these decisions on his own. But he also admitted the fact that he had to make the decision. He couldn't blame it on somebody else. Is it any wonder that Truman is the guy who said and had the sign on his desk, the buck stops here? He understood his responsibility. He understood he had to do that. You know, and as, as a child of God, God gives us the opportunity to seek counsel. Uh, we have the word, we have uh, believers, we have spiritual leaders, but we must make the decision. So number four, never act on man's counsel alone. A good counselor especially in the spiritual realm or a principle of a life-changing decision is going to bring you to the word of God and say, well, here's a principle of scripture you need to consider. Here is some truth from the word of God that sheds light on what you're thinking about. Here's something that will help you as you try to settle that before the Lord. You're there in Proverbs chapter 15. Turn over to chapter 19. Proverbs 19 And look at verse number 20. Proverbs 19, verse 20. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Hear counsel Receive instruction. You'll gain wisdom through that, but the counsel of the Lord is that which will stand. So as you listen to advice, as you seek counsel, then settle it on your knees in the word of God. Never operate on man's counsel alone. Which leads me to the final point, and that I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. The counsel of the Lord shall stand. Where is the counsel of the Lord found? In his infallible word. While you may seek counsel from a man and you have to keep in mind, well, he's a sinner saved by grace. When you go to the word of God, you never should hold it off or question it's insight. The Bible, as an independent Baptist, we believe the Bible is the inspired, God-breathed word and that it is sufficient to meet all our needs. So look at verse number 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. 
Unfortunately, because we live in a Bible illiterate day, even Christians will say, well, this is what I believe I'm supposed to do. You open the Bible and show them, well, this is what God says. Well, certainly that God doesn't want me to be unhappy. Certainly God doesn't want me to live like this. Certainly, you know, pr primarily talking about uh, marital relationships or somebody who's frustrated and they want to get divorced. Well, the Bible is pretty clear that that is not acceptable according to God's word. So then you have to say, what is going to be the authority in my life? My feelings, my philosophy, what the world says, or what does the Bible say? And as soon as you move away from the Bible being absolutely true, and so I must submit to it, to any other authority, you have just put yourself in a very precarious position. So notice right away, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. First of all, that is telling us that God's word is reliable. It is trustworthy. God gave it. There, there is no words of man, no philosophy of man, nobody's put in their own thoughts here. God superintended in preservation and God by inspiration gave his word to be recorded by holy men of old. So it's reliable. Secondly, it's authoritative. Authoritative. It is God's word. You can argue with the man, you can disagree with me, but you can't argue with God and win. There's no debating God's word. There's no questioning God's word. It is God breathed. It is God's inspired scripture. Thirdly, from Hebrews 4.12, we know that it's alive and it's powerful. For the word of God is quick, it's alive and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, meaning that it cuts right down nothing hidden. To the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, to the thoughts and intents of our heart. I, every morning, by God's grace, I spend a good amount of time in the word of God before I start my day. I have no clue how many times I've read it through. I have no clue, you know, I, I, I have not kept records. But it still astounds me. How many times in the quiet of my office or my living room, wherever I'm reading, when it's as if the Lord just sat down next to me and said, are you listening? That's for you. That attitude you showed, does that fit here? Those words you spoke, are they really always of grace? That bitterness you're holding, right here, that's it, not allowed. You see, it is alive and it's powerful. You wanna know why people get away from the word of God? Well, part of it could be carelessness, but I personally, my opinion, many times is because they don't like what they hear. If you don't wanna hear it, you're gonna quit reading it, right? 
It is powerful. It's a living, which means it's applicable. And then notice in verse 16 where it's good for us. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You gain benefit from it. It's helpful. It's instructive. In four areas, very quickly, we won't break it down. We're out of time. But for doctrine, which talks about teaching, what we believe, for reproof, showing us when we're going the wrong direction or we're going veering off course, for correction, how to get back on course, for instruction in righteousness, to teach us how to live this life in a manner that pleases God. In other words, what he's saying here is the Bible is like our change agent. Our change agent. You can't keep going that way and please God, this needs to be changed. You can't keep doing that, it needs to be changed. So the word of God then verse 17 goes on to say that it equips us to live this life. The verse says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. Notice it's not thoroughly furnished, although it's very similar, unto all good works. Perfect does not mean sinless. It means fully equipped, prepared, trained. Perfect, thoroughly furnished. I always use this illustration. It's sort of like an ambulance, an EMT vehicle. They, they have to be fully equipped because they don't know what they're going to face. It gets called out on a run, a car accident, a burn, a victim, a, a drown, whatever. They have to have the equipment there. They can't say, oh, hang on there. We need to go to the store. Uh, we need to stop by shoppers. We'll be right back. No, they have to be ready. Just like you don't know what you're going to face tomorrow, I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow, I don't know about next week, I don't know about next year, but if I stay in the word of God, it will prepare me, equip me for what I'm going to face. And you too. So, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Our plans, our intentions that we believe may be from God are established. They're not thwarted. They're not broken up. And the number one counselor is the word of God. And the word of God supersedes whatever man may say, although what man may say may be very helpful, may enlighten us and help us to see. There have been times I've sought counsel and what the counselor said I knew was not God's will. And I thanked them for their time, but I went in and did what I knew God wanted us to do. There have been other times I've sought counsel. I was sort of in a cloud. And in talking to a couple of people, those three particularly, it's like God lifted the fog and said, here, this is it. Uh, thank you, Lord. You've been leading me, but I just couldn't figure it out. Now I see. But you know, folks, when we are not willing to seek counsel on, on big issues, we, we make it possible for us to make very foolish mistakes that could have been avoided, consequential, costly, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. So wisely, prayerfully, on your knees in the word of God, when you come to those big time decisions that are consequential, 
Seek godly advice. And I'm not looking for something to do. I'm not, you know, my appointment book's pretty full. But I'm happy to be a blessing to you if I can. I'm not trying to generate that. I'm saying there are people around you who have proven track record. I've told you, when Jan and I were rearing our kids, we, we looked out people in our church that were doing a good job with their kids. We spent time with them. Hey, can you tell us how you did, how, how'd you get there? And we learned. And we learned. And so can you. In a multitude of counselors, there's safety.